Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to a special edition of the Sideline Junkies. Tonight, you got KG, and I'm joined by a special, special host. Let me, let me make sure I get it right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Sideline Junkies will present to you the one, the only, the Don. What's going on, everyone? Uh, it's your boy, the Don, at Don Rodriguez on the Twitter, coming after the smart mark of the junkies, uh, ready to talk some good old wrestling, wrestling, or whatever else you want to call it, sports entertainment. I'm here to make sure that uh, you guys are well entertained tonight. That's what I like to hear right there. That's what I love. So we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to ask the Don a couple of questions here. Who's your favorite all-time wrestler? That can only be one, the nature boy, Ric Flair. I, I, I can't disagree with that. I, I, <laughs> that's my favorite, too. I mean, 16-time world champion. I mean, you can't get over that, but that's 16 times that they counted. Oh, yeah, all day. All right. Favorite current wrestler? Uh, the other side of the corner. It's a phenomenal one. AJ Styles. Are you serious? Current, yep. Oh, man. AJ Styles, the hardest worker in the business right now, man. That's because they hold Samoa Joe back right now. <laughs> oh, Samoa Joe's a beast. But AJ, you can work with anybody without question. Hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to lean more to Cody Rhodes. Really? Well, that Cody's come up. I agree yeah. with you. Cody's come up, but he had to go away and prove himself and prove that it was he was correct and wanting to use his name over continually uh, being you know under the persona of Stardust. So right. he, he actually you know is doing the right thing in New Japan. I mean, he's killing it. I mean, the American Nightmare. I would imagine will be back in the WWE within the next two years, if not this upcoming WrestleMania. Since it's probably going to be a while before we get Kenny Omega. In WWE, so we'll probably get Cody first. Uh, that 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 right there, to have him come back and be top tier, top billing, where he's supposed to be, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, and his wife too. That's another good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the greatest match you ever saw? Uh, this is going to be a throwback, uh, taking it all the way to what used to be called the Baltimore Arena. It was uh, Kevin Sullivan versus the character, we'll say, because the person was a little crazy, the character of Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit, Falls Count Anywhere match, where they ended up in the bathroom, in the hallway, they were just all over the place. I've never seen a match in person that, that was that dynamic, man. Those, those guys just left nothing uh, to, to think about. They just fought the entire way, the entire match. It was amazing. Now you're going to make me go look that one up. Because I, I, I vaguely <laughs> remember that one. But you're going to make me, too, me look man. that one. That was old school Great American Bash right there, man. A pay-per-view that I actually missed. <laughs> hey, it was a long time ago, man. It was a long time ago. We're not going to talk about how old you might have been. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep that one on the low. <laughs> what's, your, what's your thoughts on the current state of wrestling right now? I'm one foot in, one foot out, because there's so much going on. I mean, you know, we got the women, the women's evolution and revolution, which is amazing. And, you know, the ladies are getting there just due, finally. Um, 
then we've also got, you know, WWE kind of feuding with itself on both brands between Raw and SmackDown. And then maybe 50 to 55% of the time, NXT is beating out both of them. And then, uh, you know, we don't really know what the heck is going on with TNA. They've got some good moments, but really it's in a state of disarray. And then like we were talking about with Cody Rhodes uh, over there in New Japan and bouncing in and, you know, a little bit of Lindenala and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's a lot going on right now. It's not like it used to be where it was like one streamlined presentation and that's everything that it was. And, you know, you have WWE or WCW. There's just so much going on. You could go in a sensory overload if you're not following particular storylines all the time. But I'd say that the biggest thing that uh, I'm hoping comes back is uh, the, the old art of, you know, kayfabe and wrestling where, you know, uh, I mean, I have the WWE network and the app and all that stuff. And, you know, sometimes getting a notification that just spoiled the main event before you watched it is, you know, not a good idea to me. Or, you know, just, you know, reality TV is good, but sometimes some things need to be kept hidden. You know, like last year for WrestleMania, when the Hardys came out, nobody knew what was happening, even though you wished. And then it happened. It was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I think we need more of those moments instead of, you know, so much – you know, that you can pretty much just guess on what's going to happen and you're 9 out of 10 right. Amazing. Just the way you just broke that down, I don't think I could have put that in the words. But you started <laughs> off with the, the women's evolution and the revolution of, of the women's division. I've waited for a long time to see women, like, wrestle. Like, my biggest thing is coming home on a Monday night just to see the women wrestle because me personally, I'm a huge Nia Jax fan. Oh yeah. Like huge. Like I got a crush on her. I'm just not even going to lie. I got a like a super crush. They say you too old for crushes. I'm not. I love me. Like I follow her on everything. But she is, she's got the charisma. She's got the pot, the raw power. I would love to see her get a longer title run than what she just had, but who knows what I have. And now you got Ronda Rousey, and that's one thing that with the state of wrestling the way it is now, you got people that come in maybe from a another brand, another organization, and they go straight to the top. Right. And Ronda Rousey, her first match was a title match, correct? Uh, first, uh, well, she had a couple of different ones, but you know, yeah, ideally her first major, you know, encounter was a, was a title match. And I, and then I, but on the flip side, I look at Dolph Ziggler and he's been intercontinental champion. What for the last 35, 40 years? <laughs> you would think <laughs> it was, se- it seems that long and he hasn't gotten a title shot, but that's where I have my issue at. But other than yeah, that, I'm with you. the the way WWE is handling it, the way Triple H is bringing up NXT, and there's a lot of talent that's just coming up through the ranks. Then, like you said, I, I don't know. TNA, TNA has been off their rocker last five or six years. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole battle between uh... – uh, the Carters and and the Jarretts and, you know, everybody else that's been coming in trying to own and take, you know, control of and mold it. You know, even, you know, they had Eric Bischoff at one point, which I'm a Bischoff mark. 
Um, but, you know, there's so many different facets of things going on. But just to, to roll back for a second and talk about your crush, I mean, I do agree Nia Jax is just untapped potential, but there is one thing that she needs to solve before, hopefully before this next May Young Classic and they start pulling more of this talent from the May Young Classic and the NXT and more people get bumped up. Uh, she's got to get better on the mic. That's her only thing. And that's what separates, in my opinion, Nia Jax from an awesome Kong, is that yeah. Kong could talk, but she wasn't the best wrestler. Nia is a good wrestler, but she just can't talk, which is weird since she's cousin to The Rock. You would think, you know, it hit the Usos <laughs> with the ability to talk. It took them a little bit, but, you know, they eventually got it. So once she gets that man, her versus Rousey in a true match would be amazing. Absolutely agree. And just joined by Junie. Hey, Junie, how you feel? Hey, hey. We got the Don here talking a little wrestling. We talking all brands. And, Everything. you know, just getting all it all in there. We about to hit the all-time list. and But I got one more question for the Don here. Go ahead. Now, you said something about Awesome Kong. And I, I got to kind of sort of disagree with you. Because I've never seen anybody the size of Awesome Kong fly from the top rope and look so fluid and natural. That's a woman, yeah, I agree. But in the male side, remember we had, unfortunately, uh, we just lost him not too long ago, Vader. It went true, 400 pounds and could go from the top rope. Oh, yeah. Uh, jumping into our rankings. Let's start with tag teams. Okay. See, we can we can we can pair down top ten tag teams of all time. And I mean, I think number one is an agreement across the board. So I'm not even gonna say it. I think that everybody got the same number one. But we'll let's see. start. We'll see. Because I plan to um, uh, cause a lot of controversy this time, especially when we get to, uh, in my opinion, the top uh, twenty five wrestlers of all time. So. Uh, if we talk about tag teams, maybe a little bit uh, interesting as well. We'll see uh, how much in alignment we can be. I know we've had some heated conversations in the past. Um, I'd say number 10, and you can tell me what you think, uh, was the Rock and Roll Express. Not bad. I'll, I'll accept that. Great man, that's a lot of tag teams out there, man. First of all, i like to welcome the Dawn. Nobody, a lot of people. Sean Gaither has about three belts to himself. <laughs> but um, you got, you got the uh, huh? We're up to five now. Wow. And so what about the road? <laughs> and you said what? What about the what? Road Warriors. Oh yeah, I agree with that. What I agree with that. That was that was my number nine right there. Lod. No, n- number nine? Number nine. Wait, I said I'm going to start some controversy. You'll see where we're going. Yeah, here we go. How you like it? <laughs> you started early, too. Early. Man, I'm an LOD fan. I'm an LOD oh. fan, but yeah, number nine. You know, hold on. I got to stop right there for a second. Do you realize that guys saw that they were booked against the Road Warriors? And would leave without getting paid. They wouldn't change their clothes. They would grab their clothes and walk out of the arena because they didn't want to wrestle them. Oh, yeah, because they were stiff as hell. Hawk <laughs> was notorious for that. Now, granted, that's my number one of all time. I don't think it's a better tag team 
out there than the Road Warriors. Ooh. Now, it depends on what you're looking at. Because, I mean, you know, they were mean and they fought. But, you know, it's about wrestling back then. So, you know, but I tell you what, we'll, we'll go through and we'll get to uh, my number one. Because, you know, LOD was number nine. Okay. Uh, number eight was uh, the Midnight Express. Midnight Express. So you can tell me what you think about that. I mean, with Jay Cornette, I mean, you know, those boys uh, were, were phenomenal wrestlers. They didn't look the best. They weren't built like LOD, but they could go. And they were, you know, on that other side of the street. You know, LOD had some great matches and some big old battles, but the Express were wrestling territory to territory to territory all over the South and, and everything, man. I mean, they were wrestling on that Ric Flair level, you know, uh, a lot. So, I mean, they, they've been in some serious encounters, you know, all across through the Crockett era and stuff like that. So, you know, that was uh, um, my next one. Now, be, after the, the Midnight Express, I'm, I'm still keeping it old school. <laughs> um, and this was another stiff team uh, when it came down to how they uh, went into battles. And they battled LOD a lot. And that was Nikita and Ivan Koloff. I mean, you, you can't deny that Russian Sickle was, uh, <laughs> you know, many kids went to school the next day, Russian Sickle, Russian Sickle, you know, and then got in trouble because they closed line of crap out of somebody else. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> you get that from? those kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, that was, you know, part of the part of part for the course. And then uh, after Nikita and Ivan, I got a little bit more modern of a team, uh, rated RKO, Edge and uh, Randy Orton. I mean, from a, a, a showmanship perspective, you know, those two entities coming together and melding into a, a great tag team, even though it didn't last long. But, you know, you had Edge doing all his over-the-top stuff, coming fresh off that whole leader controversy and, you know, Matt Hardy and – and Randy Orton coming to his own, trying to be DDP with the, the RKO out of nowhere. And, you know, those boys were just putting in some work. Um, so, you know, I think they definitely deserve the spot on the list. But uh, the top five is going to be, hopefully, uh, you'll agree with the top five. Like I said, we'll talk about the number one. But uh, number five, the Rockers. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. I, I can't, mean, you know, I can't disagree. But you know you what? I would honestly say, if you're going to say the Rockers, give me the AWA version when they were young. Yes. I'm talking about young, wild, and free. Yep, I agree with that. Before the machine got to them too much and uh, toned them down a little bit. I agree with that. Uh, after the Rockers, another flamboyant, you know, bright and colored group, the New Day. Current New Day, not, you know, beginning New Day, but current New Day. Um, more so bootios than pancakes, but you know, that they brought back that free bird rule, which, you know, was amazing. I was so excited to finally see that come back and somebody to put that to good use. Um, but, you know, more importantly than that, I mean, they're all great in their own individual, you know, perspective as a, a an athlete. But, you know, those three together and then intertwining and going back and forth, they've had some phenomenal matches all across the board, you know, from what I've seen, especially on pay-per-views. You know, it's like uh, RVD used to be Mr. Monday Night. You know, the, the New Day, when they're on pay-per-view status with uh, number three, uh, the Usos, um, I mean, they, they put on some, some amazing matches that, you know, rivaled almost Shawn Michaels versus uh, Brett the Hitman Hard on an Iron Man match. 
I mean, they 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 put some, some amazing stuff in a Hell in a Cell match. Uh, was was through the roof amazing. Um, with the Usos and uh and the New Day. So that's four and three. Uh, number two, uh, rest one of their souls. I had the Heart Foundation. I can agree with that. That's I had them at number two. And then number one, uh, I put them as uh, the stable, but you know, the 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 duo is without a question uh, an animal. I mean, we love like you talked about LOD, but I put down uh, the Four Horsemen, but tag team wise, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Those two together, you go into the ring, you put that work in, you beat the hell out of somebody, you go home, get a drink, find a girl, get on a plane, go to the next town. That's how they was putting work in back in the day, without question. So I put the horseman, uh, Arn and Tully, more so as uh, my number one. Now, I, 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 got, I wrote down your ranking, top ten tag teams. Let's recap. Number ten, Rock and Roll Express. Number nine, LOD. Number eight, Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Number six, Rated RKO. Number five, The Rockers. Number four, New Day. Number three, The Usos. Number two, The Heart Foundation. Number one, on Anderson and Tully Blanchett. Now, out of all of these, only one that I'm, only thing that's, that 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 in my opinion would be missing. I, I I was looking for a little a mega powers or you know demolition. <laughs> I mean I mean I was looking for those like yeah, type things. They they were good. I mean mega powers was great, but it was it was just a moment. Yeah, you know they weren't consistent. Uh, demolition, I agree. You know they they scared me as a kid. <laughs> you know and they were just big badass dudes. You know, um, but there was a lot of tag teams I thought about, but I, I really. You know, took it from the criteria when we get to the uh, the top 25, and I'll explain what the breakdown was. I looked at them from that perspective, and that's kind of how I let the pieces fall where they may. But I know there's going to be, you know, some people that's going to listen and be like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? And if you want to vent your frustrations, I'll just go ahead and put it out there now because I know it may not be on the site yet. But, you know, I reactivated my Twitter. So you can uh, hit me up at, at Don Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-E-Z and yell at me <laughs> accordingly, and I will respond happily with, you crazy. <laughs> now, out of your whole ranking, Legion of Doom being number nine, I've had arguments upon arguments over the years about them being the greatest tag team ever. Uh, and also, in my top five, I had the Dudleys. I had the Dudleys and the Hardy Boys yeah. in my top five. But you pulled out I mean, you went back and dusted off the suitcase and opened it up and got me a uh, pro wrestling illustrated out. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, we did take it back. And, you know, I thought about the Dudleys. I mean, they did a phenomenal uh, impact and what they did. But, you know, that's where I looked at old school versus new school. You know, who did they pattern themselves after? And that was LOD. That was Nikita and Ivan Koloff. That was the Expresses you know, and, and the rockers and, and, you know, tag teams like that. So I don't want to go so modern that I didn't pay homage to, you know, the people that laid the foundation that the Dudleys just walked through the door with the right timing and just took it through the roof uh, at ECW um, and through WC, uh, WWF and stuff like that and WWE. 
And I remember uh, not too long, but I say not too long ago, not too long ago could be like 12 years for me. But when TNA was doing a joint venture with uh, New Japan and they mm-hmm. walked in with the TNA titles and the New Japan titles. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was the first time in quite some time I had seen a New Japan belt defended on American soil, but mm-hmm. actually on TV. Wait till my countdown, my friend. <laughs> I got I got another one for you. But yeah, that was uh it was ridiculous just to see those things. And that's what I was talking about about, you know, that K element. You know, to be able to see moments like that and you're like, What? Remember, you know, the the first nitro when um uh Lex Luger came out and you just got finished seeing him on WWE programming? I'm like, wait a minute, how the heck he get over here? He was just there. You know, what the heck is going on? And how do he change clothes? You know, you know, those moments that I think we need more of to just get people back into the what the heck. And that also, you know, what Ronda Rousey is capable of doing for the WWE at the moment. You know, Brock Lesnar, you know, is capable of doing that. You know, Ultimate Warrior when he came back, Goldberg, you know, those type of moments, um, you know, also foster that. Okay. Let's move on to our top. We only going to do five stables, just five. Because, I mean, we would have to dig deep in the crates to get 10 to 20 stables. But I know you wouldn't have to dig deep. But top five stables of all time. All right. We'll see if I can at least make some people happy with this one. Number five, the Hart Foundation. Got to give it back to them. And that's going in Brian Pillman and uh, Davey Boy Smith. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the true, you know, grouping of, of the hearts at that point. I mean, you know, the storylines, you know, when Brett was just so upset um, and he was injured. I mean, it was just classic programming. And, you know, they were not, you know, winning everyone. They weren't losing every match. But at the same time, the way that was whole what was presented at that point, you know, just, just set them up there. And then individually, we already know the accolades for, you know, all the members of the Heart Foundation. But um, that was my number five. Uh, number four, I'm actually going to take a nod all the way over to TNA and uh, give it to LAX, the Latin American Exchange. Um, their storyline, their, their working ability, you know, I've always been a, a mark for Conan. Um, you know, just a, a, a great moment. And they've, they've had a lot of great moments in TNA that have been epic uh, from a stable standpoint um, over there in TNA. Number three, the almighty click. <laughs> There's no way to get around it. If, if you don't have the click in, uh, you know, your top five stables of all time, there's something wrong with it. From the curtain call that caused all kind of kayfabe trouble uh, between um, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Razor Ramon, and Kevin Nash. I mean, you know, and Triple H. I mean, that was crazy as it, as it was. And then, you know, you're throwing in um, one, two, three kid and all that stuff. I mean, you know, they just did what they wanted to do. And then you, you know, kind of marrying the New Age Outlaws in there as well with the click, but the click was, you know, definitely impactful. Um, number two, got to give it a, another nod to uh, uh, the best foursome ever done, the Four Horsemen. That's all you have to say about that. And then uh, number one, though, <laughs> and we'll see if people agree with me or want to fight me on this, got to give it to the NWO. Tell me your thoughts on that, Kay. To be quite honest, 
you nailed it. Uh, like if we would have went ten, I think I, I think you would. I'm sure you would have gave me uh, the free birds. Oh yeah, hands down. DX. Mm-hmm. Evolution. I, but you know what? Looking at Evolution, I always felt Evolution was just uh, a newer version of the Four Horsemen. Yep. The which everybody from the Four Horsemen, if they were a group of four, you know, they were they were horsemen no matter which way you looked at it. Now, let me ask you this. When you say Four Horsemen, which incarnation are you talking? Are you talking the original okay. all day long? Okay. The, the original with James J. Dillon. <laughs> as much as I like Barry Windham, as much as I enjoyed seeing the uh, the the stomping in and out of Sting, basically, <laughs> it's the original Four Horsemen that uh, made the difference. Because I've I've been asked that question a lot, and it's always Ric Flair, on Oli Tully. That's it for me. Yep, all day, all day. Like I, I've been searching high and low. For those four action figures in, 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 in one case, and I can't find them. I have to order it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm say it's going to cost you a, more, a bit for that. That's okay. That's all right. Worth it. <laughs> uh, another name that I thought about in stables were uh, kind of modern, but I thought that the, uh, the, the idea of it was awesome. And that was in TNA with the main event mafia. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that, you know. As well, that was a great one, and the aces and eights as well. Aces you know, and eights was another another moment with the Dudleys, and I thought they were great. They just they ran out of stuff for them to do because they were, in my opinion, they were trying to NWOize them, and TNA just didn't have the depth in the roster, you know, or that iconic character like Sting, you know, to really flesh it out for a longer period of time, you know. So it just burnt out so fast, and they ran out of stuff to do, even when they feuded with each other. You know, at some point, you know, like, oh, gosh, guys, I just want y'all to have something else. And, you know, this is a spark it off. And they they really could have took that to the next level and, you know, did like the NWO did jump ship from WCW to WWE to potentially coming back to WWE, spoiler alert, um, within the next time frame. And we're not too far from the road to WrestleMania anyway. So anything is possible that could happen um, at that time. But, yeah, the. I agree with those two, uh, you know, being like in a top 10 list. Uh, and uh, jumping back a little bit, uh, tag teams, another tag team that I, I had thought of that probably wouldn't, I wouldn't say top 10, but I'd say 15 or 20, and that was beer money. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I apologize for that one. I, I'm a, a mark for beer money. I wish <laughs> it could come to fruition and uh, – WWE it was almost there, but I don't know what happened with James Storm. I, I totally missed out on that. Why wow, he didn't stay and, and run uh, through TNA, and he could really, you know, the, in my opinion, the way Bobby Roode got the treatment, you know, I think uh, if James Storm would have just held on a little bit longer. He could have been there, and, and they could have reunited and then uh, been, you know, beer and some change. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> they could have did something and you know brought it back. Hey, you know what? It wouldn't have did anything but made the tag team division in WWE a lot more stronger than what it is. Yep. Because that's one thing that TNA had during that 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 big run that they had. Their tag team division, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I just I, that that's one thing that I do miss. I do miss that part of TNA because you got to see a lot of competition, and it was it wasn't too much, but it was just enough to say, okay, we don't have enough belts for this, right? So I I, I, I do miss that aspect. And WWE and, and depth of the locker room is technically there. It's just, you know, they just got the brand split. So, you know, and then they have some teams like the Revival that, you know, with just the right amount of something to happen to get it to catch on, you know, the Revival could go to the next level. But, you know, they just don't have enough gel at the moment to really make it split. You know, but if all those tag teams were to have a round-robin tournament for, like, one belt, Oh man, you know the amount, the level of matches that you would have will be equivalent to the Cruiserweight Classic on NXT. Um, you know the May Young Classic. I mean, you would see some some epic matches, you know, just all throughout from everybody. But you know, because it's you know the same teams over and over again, because you're only dealing with five versus ten tag teams on a show. You know, it it it's, it's hard to really get that magic every single night. And but they have the the, the capability of it. Uh, and WWE at the moment. You know what? It's something that I, I, I uh, something else I really do miss. I, I miss when WWE had a show on out of seven days, five of them, it was a show on. Yep. You had Sunday Night Heat, then you had Raw, well, you had Warzone, then Raw, and mm-hmm. then they, like, I didn't know that they filmed SmackDown on a Tuesday until working with you, and you found that out <laughs> used to bring it in on Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, we watched SmackDown. So I already knew what yep. happened on Thursday. And then everything that happened Monday would carry over to Thursday. Then you had Shotgun Saturday night would recap the whole week. Mm-hmm. It was all... I, and your Saturday morning shows. I mean, it was a lot of content. But I'm not going to lie to you, man. As much as I love that, I am a fan of the WWE Network from day one all the way up until now. You know, I, I love finally – at first I thought, okay, maybe it be a good cable network, but having it be a streaming service is so much better because the level of content is finally getting there and the, the amount of retro content, um, even the inclusion of, you know, their little, you know, off-skit, you know, um, uh, uh, thing that they do uh, – I forgot the name of Southpaw uh, Regional Wrestling. You know, just, just all that content, you know, is so entertaining. You know, my favorite lunchtime uh, pastime is uh, Table for Three. I wish they would do more of them. Uh, I know they only film them mostly during WrestleManias, but, you know, just to have that. And I wish JBL's show would come back because there were some epic moments that happened there, especially if you've never seen it. Uh, JBL uh, doing his interview with Ron Simmons was, you know, amazing. Uh, same thing with Booker T, you know, just to see the plight of, uh, you know, the black man and how, they can, you know, just elevate themselves and go through what they went through and still come out on top with a Hall of Fame ring, you know, money in their pocket and worldwide recognition. It, you know, it's amazing. Same thing, even The Rock, even though it didn't have a JBL moment, but The Rock came through some, you know, adversity uh, from his CFL days to only having a little bit of change in his pocket to a crazy hairdo when he uh, got picked up by the WWE. Flex Kavana. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I, I, That's a thing we going to hear a long time. I will never forget it. Not I'll yeah. think in a million years I'll forget. I'll be 130 years old. Somebody asked me, "What was the Rock's first persona?" Flex Cavana, 1996. Mm-hmm. 
And if you meet him, you can get him to sign that. You'd be a rich man. You know what? On anything. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try it. Hey, and it's eight. You can get him to do it. Okay. Let's jump into top 25. We're going to go 11 through 25. We're going to save the top 10 for the next time we got the Don on. Because uh, I don't want to give it all to you. I can't give it all to you right now. I, I got to hold a little bit back, you know. Let the Don let we let the Don build up a head of steam because I know he's gonna knock you in the head with his top ten. Oh yeah. Already, That's true. Twenty five is gonna get you too. <laughs> he already knocked me in the head with these stables and these tag teams, so all right, let's all right. So uh I just wanna give a little bit of a preface out there first. Um I looked at it as the top twenty five wrestlers and sports entertainers of all time in the modern era. So I didn't go, you know, too deep into it. That, that's more of a top 50 to top 100 countdown. But here's the criteria that I looked at, and I'm, I referenced it earlier when we were talking about the tag teams. Uh, the first criteria is the, uh, the markout heat factor. You know, how much excitement uh, are they positive or negative building when their music hits? Uh, their impact on the business and how did they elevate it or help transcend it to the next level? And then the last one was the impact on world and pop culture, you know, more so just not it being a WWE thing. It's a, you're watching, you know, ESPN and they're referencing it. You're watching, you know, uh, NFL event, they get into the end zone and they put up the diamond cutter, you know, all those type of things. So that's what I judged. And that's why this list may not be the traditional list that everybody would have. But, you know, if you take a moment and really think about, what those three criteria are, you may be like, yeah, I can kind of see that. If not, again, you can yell at me on my Twitter <laughs> since I just reactivated and got nothing better to do. Uh, so here's number 25. They chant his name all day. All he's got is some drums and a couple cymbals and stuff in there. The almighty Goldberg. <laughs> That's my number 25. And, you know, in my opinion, for overall status of what he did for the business, uh, I'd like to say that he was the most effective NFL to pro wrestler ever at this moment. Because, I mean, you know, he did what he did in Atlanta, but, you know, just taking that and, you know, Eric Bischoff put him in the mold and, and created a scenario and he just went with it and he, ju he just became that Goldberg character so perfectly. We didn't understand what was happening when he had those squash matches one through 10, but right around 11, you're starting to wonder, like, hold on. This dude's still beating on people, and it's only did he just get in the ring? God dang! And next thing you know, you're cheering Goldberg when he comes out because he's probably concussed halfway through uh, walking out from hitting his head on a daggone door. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's <laughs> like man, he's bleeding before he get there. It's like first the Sandman had to use a beer can. He just said, "The hell with that! I'm just going to take the door out." <laughs> so you know, Goldberg at 25 had the best buildup in the business ever. You know. That, that that archetype is something that, you know, people have tried to do. They tried to do it uh, with Asuka and, and uh, recently in uh, NXT. But, you know, I mean, Asuka wrestled for all of her. And she won them. But, you know, Goldberg just had that in and out, just bang, bang. And if you missed it, you had to rewind if you were recording Raw and SmackDown and, and Thunder and Heat and Nitro and everything else like I was. You know, you had to rewind. I was like, what the heck happened to Goldberg? I totally missed it. And, you know, just to see that, you know, a quick minute and a half match and he's out the door. 
So that was my number 25. Number 24, this is where we get interested because I'm quite sure, like, what is he doing all the way down there? Is uh, Triple H. Triple H is one of my top five favorite all-time wrestlers. Like, it, it, I had a, I had Triple H head on a dashboard of my car, of my last car. That's how much of a oh, Triple man. H fan I am. Well, I, thank goodness I know we're talking one-on-one, so you won't be tweeting me in, when we get off here, like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I might have to do it anyway. What are you thinking? Uh, I mean, you know, he earned it. I put him in the, I mean, you know, Triple H is a, a great character, um, you know, from the Paul, you know, Levesque or, you know, the Hunter Hearst Helmsley, let me put it that way, you know, that he started off as and last and all that other stuff that he was. Um, terrorizing. You know, yeah, terrorizing, that's what it was. Uh, coming from that, you know, into the Triple H character, I think he had a slow build. He learned a lot, which was great, so he paid attention um, to, a, you know, his own admission. But, you know, once the Triple H character started rolling, he just had the right storyline that folded him into the Generation X. And then when Sean was out, you know, he took that ball and kept running with it. So, you know, he, he did a great job with that. But, you know, truth be told, Triple H is, you know, also one of those old school guys that, you know, if I ever meet him, would probably beat me down for this, you know, has those key set of moves. And then, you know, you're going to see this spot, this spot, this spot, this spot. And then, you know, it's up to the other person to really make the rest of the match. Versus, you know, you see the flow and, and, and the design of it coming, you know, from a strong storytelling perspective. Uh, but, you know, to his credit, you know, once that curtain call thing happened, you know, and he talked about it himself, you know, he took the brunt of, you know, you had uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Ash left for WCW. Um, you know, the one, two, three kid was just around. But, you know, somebody had to take the hit for breaking kayfabe when that was against the rules per Vince McMahon under penalty of death. Um, so, you know, he, he weathered the storm, married my, uh, you know, my crush, <laughs> uh, and Stephanie McMahon and, you know, then turned right around and then took all that knowledge that he learned and, you know, fought for NXT to become something. And now NXT has grown to be, you know, truthfully rivaling, if not beating, like I said, SmackDown 50 to 51% of the time and overall, uh, succinctness and performance level of the show. So he may be at 24. That doesn't mean he's not there because, I mean, there's a lot of performance out there. So, you know, that top 25 is still pretty epic. But Triple H, you know, and then, you know, he's a great heel as well. Um, you, you, now, you know something? Him at 24 is not totally bad. I don't totally agree with it, but it's not totally bad. But that's me being biased. But I, I the the curtain call incident, I believe that really helped him because he went down and he worked his way back up. And if I don't think if the curtain call wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't have got those classic matches between him and The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship. Very true. And then yeah, he paid his dues. In turn, we got The Rock, Triple H, Intercontinental. Then we got The Rock, Stone Cold, Intercontinental. Then it moved up to The Rock and Stone Cold for the World Championship. Then Triple H comes into the mix and He's hitting people with sledgehammers and everything. I, I mean, it, it seemed like that just set the attitude era on his feet and said, hey, go. Right. Walk. No, I agree with that. I agree. But, yeah, he's still 24. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know this is, you know, a countdown of the top wrestlers, but there's some instances where I had to group them either by uh, as, a, as a stable 
as a, a tag team or as a unification into one moment or, or one entity. And that's what happened with number 23, because I have the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian all grouped together, uh, because you cannot refute those TLC matches starting what is the modern expectation of a tag team match. You know, before you, your tag teams, you'll hold on to the tag rope. The most excitement you got was, you know, somebody may have gotten pulled down or they distracted the ref and there was a thumb in the eye. You know, now we've got action on the side of the ring. We've got, you know, just about everything, the tables being used, the announce tables. I mean, there's so much action in a tag match now as a norm that if it wasn't for those three teams getting together and putting on clinics together or all three and then the TLC matches, you know, that they, they just reopen what the tag team division is now. So, you know, in my opinion, they have to go together. I couldn't separate them because they just had that much of an impact. And we all know, you know, the first TLC match, the first thing you wanted to do if you didn't do it already was climb a ladder and, and pull a foley and jump off of it on your friend or grab the chair and just smack somebody in the back or, you know, just, just relive one of those, you know, epic spots that they did. And one, two, three, <laughs> you know, no matter which, uh, you know, TLC you watched, I mean, it, they had some epic moments. So all three of them uh, slid in number 23. Agree. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I can't argue. All right, now, we, we, I mentioned it earlier that I was going to get to it on uh, the countdown about that uh, New Japan title. And uh, one of the, the, the people that actually brought it over, lost it, and reclaimed it um, was uh, arguably the first uh, sports entertainer or wrestler that came over and put Japan on the U.S. map, and that was uh, my man Jushin Thunder Liger. And I know it's a modern era thing, but, you know, if it wasn't for Liger, we wouldn't have a lot of impressions in um, uh, Ring of Honor or, you know, Cody going over there uh, or even Jericho going over there uh, to wrestle and, you know, you know, get New Japan's titles and IWGPs and all this other stuff and making those things happen. But, you know, in my opinion, he brought, uh, you know, the Japan to the U.S. Um, you know, via WCW, WWE. I mean, he's, he's a legend over that period. And, you know, just to, to show you how much of a legend he was, he was, you know, ceremoniously the first match of the first Nitro, which, you know, in, in Eric Bischoff's eyes was more important than the main event because that set the tone for everything that was supposed to happen, even though he lost to Brian Pillman um, in that match. But, you know, to have a foreign, you know, entity, um be part of an American event in the Mall of America um, at that moment. You know, the rival WWF at the time was huge, and that was, a, that was a major honor and a nod that even the WWE doesn't do as much. I mean, they give credit where credit is due to some of, you know, the, uh, the Japanese wrestlers as well as, you know, to um, even the Mexican wrestlers, for Lucha Libre. But, you know, that was a huge honor, in my opinion, uh, for him to be able to, you know, make that happen. So that was uh, number 22. <laughs> now, number 21, again, another one. Some people may have put him in the top 10, but, you know, I have him at 21, and that's the ultimate warrior. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I didn't even have him in the top 20. I didn't have him in the top 25. Wow. Now, the reason why he's on the list, you know, I'd say out of anybody that, you know, has come, you know, old school or new school, modern era before, even before. 
kind of over Hogan. You know, the Warrior, in my opinion, was the first comic-style superhero to transcend the character. I mean, he came in, he was larger than life, running down. We all know the Ultimate Warrior and his pedigree and how his matches started. But, you know, you went from that to, okay, he is the Warrior. It's like, there's no separation. This really is the guy. You know, we saw that on his Hall of Fame induction ceremony and, you know, the, his last uh, televised uh, message on Raw the next night. You know, he is Warrior. And Warrior is him, and, you know, his name changed to Warrior. His girl's last name is Warrior. You know, that that's just huge. Um, but, you know, he was that, that action figure that you had to have because you knew that's what he really looked like. <laughs> you know, without question, Ultimate Warrior was the Ultimate Warrior. And then, you know, the entrance did its thing. And then you also had other moments like, you know, WrestleMania 12, where, in my opinion, it seemed like the music never stopped because he ran down to the ring, you know, shook the ropes, did everything he needed to do, saw Triple H, beat the crap out of him, one, two, three, music kicked in again, and he just ran back up. Like, was there a match here? (laughs) Did something just happen? Because all I heard was Warrior. I marked out. Next thing you know, all right, we're going to uh, the next interview. So, (laughs) you know, Warrior, uh, Warrior's Rest of His Soul was uh, number 21. Uh, Following him, another icon at number 20, was uh, the man of uh, many masks. I don't know how, what number he's up to now. Uh, he may have uh, eclipsed Bill Mascaris, but Ray Mysterio, mm. you know. Um, and, and he really came into the count and started the top 20 because his impact with the kids, there's no other superstar uh, second to Hulk Hogan that has been able to, to capture young kids in their minds. You know, we came down to the ring and he was touching them, you know, head forehead to forehead and stuff like that. And you know, given a mask at certain points and stuff like that. I mean, that was just making kids lives, and every kid wanted to be right there at ringside. Um, you know, on the entrance ramp, where technically the way it used to be, those really weren't the seats you wanted to be at because you missed a lot of the the event because you really couldn't see. You know, too much going on. You know, they didn't used to have uh, the, um, the the great uh, you know screens up top to where you could kind of get a good angle on it. So those weren't the best seats. You know, it was always ringside camera side, hard camera, or opposite side ringside, or even the back had good view. But, you know, he put those seats on the map. Um, you know, and then, you know, crowd interaction, his entrances, you know, he's only 5'6", biggest underdog many of the times going up against the big show. I mean, you know, he was uh, the 21st WWE Triple Crown winner. He won the Royal Rumble. You know, he was even in ECW. So, I mean, Ray Mysterio has paid his dues. Spoiler alert, he's coming back. We may see him, if not by Survivor Series, and definitely by WrestleMania. Uh, you know, the normal rule of thumb is whoever is going to be in the new game is going to be also having some type of match at WrestleMania. So we already got Rousey in the mix. He was uh, the other pre-order bonus. So, you know, we look forward to seeing Rey Mysterio at some point, hopefully soon, and um, regaining the championship. Or even having a great NXT run. I think he could do NXT again oh, for the first time and then just go there and just blow it up to this. So much great talent, you know, Rey Mysterio versus a Ricochet or, you know, um, or Adam Cole, Aleister Black. I mean, that's some great talent down at NXT that would love to learn from uh, a superior superstar like Rey Mysterio. So, you know, I, I talk as him being my favorite of the modern era, but he is still at number 19. And that is the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. 
still, like I said, in my opinion, the best overall worker in the business in the modern era right now, period. I mean, his body of work, I mean, if you could find a bad match with AJ Styles, then you really had to dig in to his early days when he was in wrestling school. That's, in my opinion, how good he is. I mean, he's a TNA founded member, along with your boy Samoa Joe. You know, he was uh, the first person to complete the TNA Triple Crown five times. You know, he pulled a, a book of tea on that with the five times. You know, he was also IWGP champ, third leader of the Bullet Club. I mean, you know, hell. And he, he made SmackDown, the other new SmackDown Live. That's the, the place that AJ Styles built. So I, I the phenomenal one is there, man. I, I can't I can't disagree with you because AJ Styles carried t- TNA for the longest. Mm-hmm. And he did it his way. And I, I'll always be a fan of his. I, I really will. That's what's up. Now, we went from modern icon to attitude era icon at number 18. Again, may cause some issues, but the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, is sliding in at number 18. I mean, we don't have to get too much into his performance level. I mean, it's, it's bar none. You understand how amazing Shawn Michaels is, the performer from the Iron Man match to his matches with Stone Cold and, my, and having Mike Tyson there. I mean, you know, he's done so much, you know, tag and everything else. Um, I mean, but, you know, Shawn has had some moments. He's gone in and out. Um, a reference to his, you know, time with the business. You know, he's back in a more of a, a mentoring role now. But, you know, I had him in at number 18 just beating out AJ Styles um, because AJ has gone up against, you know, some amazing people. But Shawn Michaels is also, you know, that first Hell in a Cell match. I mean, he's had some iconic moments. Um, but also, where was the transcending the business and, you know, into the pop culture as well. So that's what kind of had him a little bit further back uh, on the list uh, versus, you know, some of the people once we get into the top 10 and you'll understand why when you start seeing how they took the, the pro wrestling evolution and, you know, just took it through the roof. Uh, another group, what were you going to say? I got one word to say about that. Blast. Go ahead. Just blast. <laughs> blast me. That oh, my. My top 10. I, 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 <laughs> when we get there, man, when we get there, we'll see if you agree. I'm telling you, I knew it was going to be controversial when I, when I was piecing together, and I, I took about a week to curate this list and, and really look at, you know, their body of work. Um, and, and like I said, those, those three criteria, which for those that have missed it, I will say it again, you know, it's, it's the mark out and heat factor, the impact on the business itself, and then their impact on world and pop culture. So, you know, within those categories, it's, you know, as some folks that have just done a little bit more for the overall and, you know, that top 10, you'd be like, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll agree. But yeah, trust me, it, I struggle with putting HBK back there. Um, but again, he's number 18 out of, you know, over a hundred qualified uh, sports entertainer wrestlers that, you know, could at any time be, you know, in a top 25 list or something like that. <clears throat> number 17 is going to be another interesting one. I had to group it together because as a, as a unit, they were what they were. And there's no question. They lived it. They, they breathed it. They talked about it. They, they flaunted it. And that was the four horsemen. They came in. They did what they did, even though they were number 17. But, you know, every, they were the first gang 
that was cool <laughs> in sports entertainment or wrestling. And everybody had to have a, their own little local four horsemen group. And, you know, you just went out and wanted to go stomp some people. And that was about all you wanted to do. You know, maybe hit an Arn Anderson spine buster. I'll get in <laughs> trouble in elementary school. And that, like you said, that life that they, they talked about in promos, Ric Flair said that, no, that wasn't just, that wasn't a shoot. That was mm-hmm. true lifestyle. We rode limousines. We caught private jets. We didn't travel with everybody else. When I said that I had a $10,000 pair of shoes on, I meant it. Yep. That's Rolexes why I, and all that. That's why I love Ric Flair. That's exactly why I love him. And I got kicked out the Marriott a couple times because as soon as, uh, you know, he was the end of the night talking about it, we go ahead up the Marriott. I left, <laughs> went straight to the Marriott. They're like, kid, you're not old enough to be in the bar. Like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I knew Flair was coming. And the crew, and they were there, but unfortunately, you know, at 17, yeah, I couldn't be there. Um, but, yeah, speaking of 17, that was the horseman. All right, so we're getting to some interesting meat and potatoes now. Number 16. And I'm like, well, how is he over the horseman? But, you know, again, what he was able to do with his body and, you know, to tell a story physically, you know, even more so than the, uh, the, the scenario that was put before us by the, the WCW, WWE, ECW, and uh, Indy Machine, you know, Mick Foley uh, and all three facets, well, four, technically, if you count Mick as, as the fourth one, um, you know, He's just uh, amazing for what he was able to do and still remain an amazing person, um, you know, and how much he cares. But even beyond that, I mean, you know, you know, uh, 98% of the time, if you say, you know, Hell in a Cell, the first name you think of is Mick Foley. You know, you show somebody um, that Hell in a Cell match, Jim Ross's commentary, you swore he was dead five times <laughs> before we got to the thumbtacks. And if it wasn't for his ability to take those bumps, and he told uh, Undertaker, throw me off. Taker said, what? <laughs> he said, throw me off. Okay. That's out of Foley's mouth. That's exactly how that, that, that scenario went. And the next thing you know, he went off the cage. You know, that wasn't a planned thing. That was all Foley's idea to throw me uh, off, you know, just because that would have made it that much more intense. Vince McMahon almost boot you to brick because, you know, remember we had Owen Hart and that was an accident. This is, you know, what, what the heck is Taker doing? Nobody knew that's what, you know, the scenario was back then. And now you've got, you know, one of the main events of the show um, wasn't the main event because Foley still had to come out and do a job for Stone Cold uh, later on that night, which he did amazingly concuss with a tooth stuck up uh, the middle of his nose. But, you know, Vince was livid, but at the same time, you know, he did appreciate what Foley made happen. Thankfully, he was alive and able to move around and come back out. You know, he made a moment in history that will never be refuted. And that's why uh, uh, Foley is on, you know, um, uh, the list and he's at number 16. But I also put him as not only underrated, but he's more, in my opinion, of a scrappier Dusty Rhodes in comparison. You know, if you could think about that, you know, for the stuff that Foley did with his body that wasn't cool back then, you know, if Dusty could have done that, then there probably never would have been a, a, a Mankind or anybody else because Dusty would have killed it. I agree with that wholeheartedly. 
All right, now this one is uh, a little close to uh, my soul because he actually retweeted me, re- retweeted me once um, for a segment that they had in uh, WWE, and that is uh, arguably one of the best collegiate athletes uh, that has ever graced uh, a sports entertainment platform, period, and that was Mr. Dale, Ron Simmons. You know, we talk it through the nation, the APA, his life story, you know, from uh, other accolades, you know, as a two-time All-American in 79 and 80, six-round overall draft pick in 81 to the Browns. And then on a sports entertainment side, you know, he was the first black WCD, WCW champion, which he won in Baltimore. So, you know, it was a little bit local uh, to some of us in 92. Um, and then, you know, he also went in 2008 to the uh, NCAA Hall of Fame uh, for Florida State. I mean, so his body of work on and off the field, um, in and outside the squared circle, is amazing. And if you I'm know, not mistaken, it's Ron Simmons. If I'm not mistaken, him and Deion Sanders are the only two players at Florida State to have their numbers retired. Yep. Huge. Amazing. So, you know, he had to make the list just for, you know, uh, the sideline junkies itself. You know, to have that in there, just to throw a little bit of footballness up on there at this time of year. But, you know, he's just a man, and there's no way to get around that. So that's why 15, he had to slide in. Um, and, you know, I would still like to see him as a manager, to be honest. I think Ron Simmons coming down with somebody as a manager. I mean, for what he did to The Rock and gave The Rock the platform, you know, because if The Rock didn't have somebody to bounce that, you know, I'm the man off of, it would not have worked, and they would have, the Rock would not be where he is now. But because Ron Simmons, you know, did the honors and gave him the, the sounding board and let the Rock grow off of Ron Simmons' reaction to, what are you doing? You know, who you mean? Who's in charge? You know, all those things that happened that, you know, started the implosion of the nation of domination and created the Rock. Um, you know, that, that partial credit has to go to Ron Simmons uh, for helping make the Rock you know, The Rock instead of Rocky Johnson or Rocky Maivia or what was his name again, Kev? Flex Cavana. <laughs> That's right. Um, so number 14, we get really into some strong stuff here. And that was, you know, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, you know, who arguably is the architect of many current uh, sports entertainers right now in reference to their gimmicks, their ability to cut promos, um, I'm sorry, NXT would not have been able to survive for as long as it has before WWE Network and really before Vince gave Triple H carte blanche to be able to make it what he wants to make it. You know, if it wasn't for Dusty, it wouldn't have happened. Um, I mean, and, you know, the matches between him and Flair and everything that happened at WCW and all that stuff, you know, all the way up to him being the only man that I know in existence that can make polka dots cool. And Lord knows I want to meet some polka dot types. When, when Dusty and Sapphire would come out and do their dance, I was right in front of there, you know what I'm saying, doing my dance with them. I'm like, you go, Dusty. You know so I mean. It's one thing that I, I never got to see. I never got to see Dusty wrestle the Midnight Rider. Oh. Yeah. Most people are not going to get that, but Dusty was the Midnight Rider. Uh-huh. I remember they threatened to suspend him if they found out he was a midnight rider. I was like, you can tell it's Dusty. I mean, listen to the voice. <laughs> Don't feel bad, you know. 
I'm surprised they didn't go that far with uh, Hogan being Mr. America. It's like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> but that was the whole fun of the kayfabe thing, you know, back then. Because even though you knew what it was, they kept so strong to the story. It's like, well, and sometimes you're like, well, maybe. <laughs> like, no, look at the look at the birthmark. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Dusty. Yeah, that's Dusty, you know. But, you know, they have you think about it. All right, so that was 14. Number 13 and we're almost to what we're going to finish up for uh, this session. Uh, number 13 was a, a great uh, personal friend of Dusty's, somebody that looked up to him, somebody he mentored heavily in WCW, along with one other person, and that was the icon Sting. And, you know, he's there because out of anybody, uh, even more so I would say than um, The Undertaker, because The Undertaker was in WCW or NWA at one point, then came over. Sting was only in one place the entire time up until it no longer existed. And he grew from that. I, I call, You had the faces of Foley. I call it the faces of Sting. You had the surfer, you know, the crow, and then you had NWO red and, red and, uh, red and black. You know, so you had three faces. And then he turned right around and transcended uh, the business and went, you know, once he got saved into – his Christian ministry, which, you know, if you haven't seen any of his movies, some of them are a little interesting. Um, his his, his uh, biopic was really good um, that he had. And it airs sometimes on the Christian networks. But, you know, he's done a lot through his outreach, uh, spreading that message. Um, and he's done a lot as well, even up until modern times with the younger kids doing the, the Disney XD show, uh, Walk the Prank, where, you know, he was part of one of the pranks. Uh, that came out and scared people and stuff like that. So he's been able to move forward. And again, like I was talking about transcend, you know, just what sports entertainment and WWE or wrestling and all that stuff was, it becomes something else, you know, to where the face paint became cool because of sting, you know, we wouldn't really have a Jeff Hardy going out there doing these amazing looks. If it wasn't for sting, putting that face paint on back in the day uh, when he was surface thing and he just came out there and just made it happen. That wasn't something that was, you know, the norm unless you were Japanese and Muda or something like that and you were, you know, working that gimmick. But just to be, you know, a general, you know, American coming out there doing some face paint, you know, that that, that was really, you know, Sting pioneering that back in the day. Number 12. One of my favorite entertainers of all time. Also one that helped usher in or, or reaffirm a potential phobia. One that cut promos that sometimes you didn't even know what the heck he was saying, but you knew that it was serious and you were scared. <coughs> a man, before I even say his name, that took the simplest move that people no-sell now or they have to jump up and do or do a backflip and do or come off the top rope and do. He did one move, grabbed you, dropped you, one, two, three. And that was Jake the Snake Roberts coming in at number 12, period. Jake came in, and you just knew it was going to be something. When he just didn't have to raise his voice, you know, he wasn't screaming. He just said his promo to Mean Gene, and everybody was like, oh, snap. And that's before we got to the snake, <laughs> you know. For the young kids that may be listening, need to do your research and go watch Jake the Snake versus Macho Man and watch him have a cobra bite Macho. Still scared me to this day. And, you know, that if, if 
that was on a level of um, McFoley coming off the Hell in a Cell at that point, you know, back there in uh, the, the 80s, early 90s, you know, getting bit by Cobra. Like, oh, my God, he's going to die. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, they played it up, and it was so amazing. The next week, uh, Macho's on TV. But, you know, <laughs> that whole aura of Jake the Snake, you know, the music was ominous when you heard it coming down. And you knew once he grabbed you and he twisted his finger around and gave that signal for the DDT, it's cancel Christmas. You, you're not getting up from that. And nobody to this moment has been able to sell a move as basic as that and have that be the finish. And Ooh. nobody questioned it but Jake the Snake Roberts. Jeez. You took me back on down memory lane on that one. I've imitated him <laughs> so many times as a kid. I oh, yeah, man. In boots. I wanted tights with snakes going up the side, all of that. I just didn't want the snake. <laughs> <laughs> Give me everything. You show me a snake. No, nah, dog, we can't do that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I'll go from Jake the Snake to, uh, you know, Harvey Wimpleman in the back, man. I can't do it. <laughs> all right. And then speaking of, and I know it's kind of ironic that I just gave that scenario, and we'll end with this one at number 11. We talked about Jake. Number 11 is the guy that he bit with the snake, <laughs> the macho man, Randy Savage, you know, a man that walked to the beat of his own drum. He was really before Ultimate Warrior got there and started warring himself <coughs> and talking about spaceships and, and things that, like, what the hell is he talking about? But whatever, he's just going to run to the ring and do his thing. You know, macho came in with that raspy voice. Again, another great athlete and baseball as well as football. Um but he made it cool to be yourself. He made it cool to be crazy. He made it cool to wear a cowboy hat that was all jazzed up and bedazzled. He made it cool to wear some glasses that I don't understand how he saw walking down to the ring because he had so much on it. I mean, there would be no John Morrison running around trying to do his thing if it wasn't for Macho wearing his glasses, you know, wearing freaking um, uh, snow glasses or snow goggles coming down to the ring like, what? is going on here but you know what when that music hit pomp and circumstance you knew that you were about to be entertained by the macho man randy savage lord rest his soul um i mean even you know when we take it up to the, the video game side of things his if you can go ahead and youtube and watch uh some of the best promos that he's cut not even in a ring but just talking about him being in wwe all-stars oh my gosh that was one of the best uh, commercials he ever did when he just went into all time and, you know, just, just hit it. It's like, man, Macho, please come back. <laughs> that <laughs> level, you know, like you should have been the Hall of Fame in person. But there's that him, Stephanie thing, rumor, you know. So, yeah, that never really happened um, when he was alive. But, uh, you know, Macho came in at number 11, you know, because he definitely deserved to be right there at the upper echelon of what's going on. But, again, because of the three criteria, there's a couple people, about 10 of them, that, you know, just transcended the business just a little bit more than Macho. Otherwise, he really would have been in the top ten. And he, he did a lot, but there are ten more people that will amaze you, in my opinion, as to why I think they are the best uh, in the business in the modern era. And there you have it, from the mouth of the dawn. I, I, I can tell you now, I hope you ain't going to bed because off air, I got a lot of stuff to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Well, like I said, it's at Don Rodriguez, D-O-N-R-O-D-R-I-G-E-Z. There's no U in it on the Twitter. 
you know, hit me up there. I'm quite sure Kevin is going to text me to death. <laughs> uh, you know, let me know. And I, I knew when I was writing it, if you're going to start, you're not going to come in. Oh, I love, you know, sports entertainment. I love wrestling. I love WCW and NWOs and all. No, you're going to start with the most controversial thing that can be. If you're going to be a smart mark, you're going to start with a countdown and have people get pissed with you because I haven't seen a countdown yet I agree with. Um, and I'm quite sure mine is right up there with it. So if that's how we're going to start this thing in this relationship, then let's get it on. In the words of Eric Bischoff, controversy creates cash. Please pay me. <laughs> so we ran a little long tonight. So BJ, who was on special assignment, is going to probably get me for that. But, hey, it was too good of a show to cut it. So for Delonte, who's on special assignment at the Redskins Broncos game, he'll update everybody on uh, Sunday. For Junie, who stepped in for a little bit, dropped out. Uh, for Jim, who's traveling on special assignment to the Midwest. That's what we do. Thank you to the Don. Hey, I'm here for you. You can also hear us on, right here on Anchor FM, Radio Public Breaker, CastBox, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iTunes Podcast. You can reach us at Sideline Junkies on Twitter, on Facebook with Sideline Junkies, colon, podcast. Our email is sidelinejunkies247 at, e- at gmail.com. So that's our show for tonight. Thank you again to the Don, and we'll be back in the near, near future with the top ten. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be full of controversy. Oh, it's going to be rough. I would break your heart. I'm telling you now. I'm going to break your heart. I wouldn't have it no other way because I tell you this. If Howard Finkel is not number one, we got a problem. (laughs) Oh, God, as much as I love to think, he's no mean gene. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a good night. Good night, all.